Well, good morning. It's good to see each one of you here. Today, we are wrapping up this series that we've been looking at, How Christ Helps Us Begin Again in Life. And so, I wanted to comment, I did this last service, but I wanted to comment again on the Orange Crestival. And so, I wanted to bring that slide back up real quick. This name was chosen out of a variety of names that we were looking at. And someone threw this one out there, and it just kind of grows on you, doesn't it? Just let it ruminate. I think it gets better, doesn't it? Orange Crestival. Orange Crestival. It just works, I think. Anyway, so think, you know, think of, this is just take you right back to life on the farm, okay? You're all city folk, though, so. Now, this is going to be a good time. We're actually, we're hiring a, a square dance band, some live, like a live bluegrass band to come out from Riley's Farm up in Oak Glen. It's going to be a great time. And so, be, make sure you get this down on your calendar and start thinking about, who can I invite to this? Because this is just going to be a great event. And so, uh, and, and like Taylor said, we're going to need a lot of people participating in it. So, we just want to make sure you know about it. What we're going to do with this message today is wrap this series up. And when it comes to starting over, it's, it's, it's really tough to do that. We've, we've mentioned this each, each message, that just because a day ends doesn't mean that, you know, everything goes better tomorrow. You know, we wake up and the problems or the challenges of yesterday, they chase after us. And at times, we all wish we could just do things over in life. In golf, they call this the mulligan, where if you, if you hit a, a bad ball off the tee, you might call a mulligan. Say, I'll take my mulligan. And if you played golf with me, I've taken many mulligans in my golf days. I'm not much of a golfer, but, you know, so if I, if I hit one far right, and I know I'm not going to find it because it's beyond the boundaries of the golf course, then I'll throw another one down and try again. But, you know, we've looked at how God provides that opportunity to just start fresh. He, in Christ, He makes us a new creation. For those of us who have accepted Jesus' work on the cross, and decided to follow Him as Lord. He, he allows us to begin again in life. And so, we've looked at this, a variety of different areas where we can begin again. And so, you can check those out on our website, some of the messages in this series. If you'd like to, to just follow along or catch up with where we're at. Today, what I want to do is specifically look at, how do I step off the carousel of regret? I mentioned the carousel of regret six weeks ago when we began this series. The carousel of regret that I'm talking about is the cycle of repeated mistakes in life where we just, we, the same thinking just leads to the same mistakes in life to where we just experience the same thing over and over. And so when you step into a carousel, generally, the music on the carousel is pretty nice and pleasant, right? You know, generally it's that carnival music and it's just, that's not carousel music. I can't come up with carousel music on the spot. But it's pleasant music. And uh, it, it's, exciting. it's exciting while it's going on. And, uh, okay, but on the carousel of regret, it's not such a happy tune when you're on that. When you're just, the same thinking leads to the same mistakes over and over. That's not a happy tune. You don't want to be on that. And so, how do we step off this thing? How do we do that so that it doesn't cause us more damage? Now, our culture picks up on this idea of making the same mistakes and, and choosing the same wrong thinking. And so, there's all sorts of songs that pick up on this idea. Here's one song from a popular band called One Direction. It's not one of my favorite bands. In fact, I don't think I'd heard them until last night. But I found the lyrics, and so many of you, you're going to like the song. You probably have this song. You know, some of you are going to get into it. So, you feel free to... Bob your head or do what you do. So, here's the music. But look at the carousel of regret that is laid out in this song. 
Now, sometimes it just takes a boy band to really express what we feel in life, right? Or, <laughs> but we, we feel this way in life, don't we? We feel like, God, ah, I'm spinning in circles, and I've got to take a closer look at what I'm doing here. Otherwise, I'm going to do the same things, make the same mistakes. In the Bible, God clues us in to, to the keys to really changing. And we're going to look at that as we near the end of this message. But I, I tend to, to make a comment when I say or do something that's foolish. I tend to, kind of a knee-jerk remark I've made, and a lot of probably you have made as well, the, the statement is, what was I thinking? There's actually another song for this. I don't have the audio clip, but here's the, here's the lyrics. What was I thinking? This is a country song, if you're a country fan. He says, I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And he, he just followed his feelings and he didn't examine his thinking very carefully. This is a great question. That, that same wrong thinking just leads us to the same place. And so if you want to step off the carousel of regret, then you have to change the way that you think. And that's what we're going to look at today. How do I change the way that I think? God shows us how to do this. And transformation actually happens at the heart level. God's not after just modifying your behavior so you'll, you'll say and do things like you'll just reprogram your actions. But He actually is trying to get at heart change. Because in Scripture, the heart is the place where we make up our mind concerning what we say and what we do. The heart is the choice-making center of our lives. It's the choice-making center of our life. And so we need a transformed heart. Now here's some of the thoughts that, that really creep into our hearts and lead us to make some of those same mistakes. These are just five, but here's five ticking time bombs that can shape our thinking. Now God warns us against some of these different things in the Bible that, that really lead to wrong thinking and eventually blow up in our face. Now, I, w- I was in a country in college that there was, the roads were all war-torn roads. And so, the, some bombs had been blown off in order to make it difficult for the enemy to really escape. And so, it would slow travel down. Even, you know, decades after the wars, these bombs had gone off. And so, it made it really frustrating trying to get anywhere because of these beaten-up roads. And these time bombs, they work like that. They blow up. And they take us off of God's track for change. Or they at least will slow you down from really changing. And so, the first one is this. It's an independent attitude. Having an independent attitude. Where we just begin to distance ourselves from the pack, from the group. We just operate. We don't join in with others. We don't get involved. We don't make real commitments. We withdraw from those things. And we just operate independently from the group. Proverbs 18.1, this proverb says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. They're just running. This person just is distancing themselves from, from the rest of us. Thoughts like, I can handle this alone, or I'm a special case. Or I know what the experts say, but in my special case, I don't think that's right. We might say something like, my, my situation is unique. No one else around here really understands me. So I'm just going to think differently on this. I'm going to do differently. I'm going to live independently. And so we isolate ourselves from the very people and the council that, that can really help. And I, I've seen this through the years. And every situation is unique, but wise counsel has a unique way of fitting situations based on Scripture. And so you don't, you don't want to distance yourself from others. You don't want to have and operate with an independent attitude. The second ticking time bomb in our life 
Toying with temptation. Toying with temptation. We might say playing with fire. Here's some advice in the Bible from a father to his son. Proverbs 7, verses 7 through 10. And then verse 22. It reads, And I've seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner. Her corner, okay? Taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Now, he's supposed to be somewhere else, but at the, at, he's choosing to be lingering near someone's corner. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. And he's describing in verses really 11 through 21 this enticing situation, this, this seduction that's going on where there's this lady who is seducing him to come to her house. And, and he's, he, he gets caught, basically. Look at what it says, verse 22. Eventually, he lingers too long. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast. You know, the Scripture says that her, her house, you know, there's, there's some bad things waiting for him there. This is going to follow him for years. This is going to... He's inviting problems into his life by following down this road. Now, the answer is to stay away from the time bomb by putting a great deal of distance between yourself and temptation, whatever that temptation might be. In this case, the father to his son is saying, look, stay off the prostitute's street. Other things could be, hey, stay away from the party. Don't go to that party. Or steer clear from that website. Or stay off the internet altogether. Or And the list can go on and on as far as what may tempt each one of us here in this room. There's multiple things that tempt us. And so our thinking gets extremely fuzzy when we get really, really close to temptation. If we walk too close to temptation, it's easy to be taken. So we have to build a hedge. We have to build a wall of protection between ourselves and all kinds of temptation. This is the way that wisdom thinks. Now some people just think, oh, I, I, it's okay. It's not going to blow up in my face. I'll be strong enough. I can resist the urge. That's foolish. Can you imagine? Just imagine for a moment fiddling with a real bomb. Like a game. I can handle it. This thing has the potential to just blow a crater in a building. And, I, and I'm... How, how, how close can I get to this thing? That, that's how we play in life is dangerous. Now another bomb is this, excusing wrong desires. Very closely tied to toying with temptation. In Romans 16:18, Paul he warns against people who spread disobedient ways among the church. There's people he says that they kind of sprinkle living and patterns of living that are out of bounds and they spread that and it spreads among the body. So Romans 16:18, he says of those people, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but they're serving their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. There will always be people who are easy to convince. And so, as out-of-bounds living and disobedience spreads in a culture, it can just quickly infect the naive. The people who are like indecisive. I could go this way with my life. I could go this way. And so, we have to be careful that we don't excuse the wrong desires. And when we see ourselves or others excusing those wrong desires, that we give a warning that we get back on track, we, we get back in bounds. Because we can believe some things that can pack dynamite into our lives. One of those things is this, the thought of, I know it's not right, but it makes me happy. I know it's not right, but it makes me happy. And God, He wants me to be happy. 
And that, that's a thought from our culture that has seeped into the church. God wants me to be happy. That's God's ultimate goal, our happiness. That's seeped into the church. The reality is, if it's not right, things will not turn out right. God wants us to be holy more than He wants us to be happy. And so we have to, we can't just excuse wrong desires. Another thing that we think is, if I only had this one thing, whether it's to follow our passions or if it's to make a purchase, if I only just had this one thing, I'll be satisfied. But that's, again, that's a trap. That's a lie. Excusing wrong desires. You satisfy certain desires and it feeds an appetite that grows and grows and grows. You, you feed certain purchase desires. You, it's never enough. You buy one, there's always a new one being released next month, right? And then your thing is old. It's kind of pathetic, isn't it? At least it feels that way. I've had that situation where I've purchased something, the new one gets released, and I'm like, oh, mine is mine's just not good enough anymore. If you feed an appetite, it grows. Excusing wrong desires, that's just another t- time, you know, a ticking time bomb that, that blows up the road to change. The next time bomb is bad company. Bad company, we're told, in a few different places in the Bible... 1 Corinthians 15.33 reads, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Let's say you've been raised to think a certain way, and this happens a lot of times. People are raised to follow certain values. There are certain rules at home. There's, certain, there's things that you just have to conform to do because you were raised in a certain family. And if you're under this roof, you will follow my rules. And so, you follow those rules. You may not... Be transformed, but you conform to the environment of your home. Then you get out from under that, and you get around a different group of people, and your values all of a sudden drastically change. Because the people that we share life with, and we open up to, they shape our minds, they shape our thinking. A lot of what we think and stew on, it flows out of the thinking of those we're closest to. Seeps into what we say, what we do. We need to take care that we build relationships with the right group of people. Now, do not be deceived means you can be. It means we can easily be fooled with this one. Deception can creep in in the area of our relationships if we're spending too much time with people who are influenced. We might not even realize it. If, when, it when it comes to deception, I've been deceived and I don't realize it the, the next day or the next week. Sometimes it takes a month or longer and I realize, whoa, how did I get to this place? Well, I was deceived. We can be easily deceived on this one. We tend to think, oh, I won't, I'm so strong, I won't be influenced by them. I, I just, I'm here for a purpose. And that, that may be the case. And I'm not saying to distance yourself from people who are far from God. It just, you have to be very careful about who you're running closest to in life, who you spend the bulk of your time with. And if you're doing that alone, even, you have to be very careful. I can handle it. No, the reality is we draft our values and our patterns and our sayings and even our mannerisms off people that we're really close to. It's, it's interesting how mannerisms even influence other people's mannerisms. When I was in Guatemala, there was a, a missionary there that had this mannerism where he would direct things with his finger and, his, and the sound he would make. So when he was ready to leave the table, he would say, Okay, let's go. <laughs> And that meant it's time to go because Caesar's ready to go. So he's like, hey, we're done. Let's go. <laughs> and you need to get outside because he's going to start the truck and we'll be on our way. Well, within a few days, that had caught on very quickly. We spent every day with this guy for 10 days. So <laughs> what were we doing for the rest of the trip? <laughs> John, let's go. <laughs> Come on, John. Hey, <laughs> Come on, Josh. Let's go. 
Everybody's just using this little thing. Well, now I use it around the office, sadly. Not to, hopefully not to direct, but it's kind of catching on because, again, we just, we draft things off of each other. This happens in our values more. In the things that we treasure. Start treasuring some things, all of a sudden, those things start influencing others around us. And so we gotta be very careful. We gotta pay attention to what, what we're, what the people around us really value as well. So, big question. Who's shaping your life? Who are you getting time with? Who are you walking alongside in life? Fifth ticking time bomb. Wrong teachers. Wrong teachers. Second Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul is warning Timothy, who's one of the church leaders. He's training him constantly. One of the things he's saying is, you're going to have to explain to people and, and express to people the fact that there are wrong, false teachers spreading and trying to mislead people in the church. So he says, For the time is coming when people will not adhere or endure sound teaching. You know, things that are um, true, doctrinally true and right. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, itching ears, this idea here, if you scratch a dog in their ears, it sticks around, right? And it comes back to you because it wants more of that because it feels good. It'll come back for more. Dogs love that. Well, we, we actually like it when people tell us what, what we want to hear. We like it when we draw close to them and then they scratch that area that feels really good because we're, we're really wanting permission to do this or that thing. And so we tend to gravitate in our lives towards the teachers that supply permission and licenses for the things that we think or the things that we do. And sometimes those are out of bounds and, and they don't square with what God has to say. And so Paul says, be very careful. Now, on the other hand, the truth has an edge of pain to it. The Scripture, sometimes we encounter the Scripture and it's like, ow, that really hurt, God. That stung. That challenged me. Why? Well, why? Because God's trying to bring about change. And so, we need the truth so it can keep us on track with God's ways. Just make sure, again, like Paul's saying, make sure you don't listen to the wrong teachers. Now, these ticking time bombs... With this list, you could look at this list and think to yourself, there is still time on my clock. There's still time on my clock. Or even, I could withstand the blast. But we've touched just on one verse or a few verses out of each of these. I'd encourage you, take some time this week to really consider each of these areas. Read through them very carefully. Maybe read the surrounding context. And consider what is really at stake if I leave these specific areas unaddressed. All of these time bombs have catastrophic potential. And so what's the strategy? How do we defuse these ticking time bombs? In the movies, you call in the bomb specialists and they know exactly which wire to clip because you don't want to snip the wrong wire. If you snip the wrong wire, you, you get the idea that the wrong move, you blow up. And the good news is this. God, He gives us, out of His grace and love, direction so we can avoid this kind of just wrong thinking that leads to serious regret. And you could be here today and you might be thinking, you know, God, you've... you've I see some of these things in me. It could be that you've already identified like an independent spirit. Maybe it's subtle, but you see it in there. Or maybe He's showing you that you're toying with temptation. You know, and it's... It doesn't seem that bad. It seems harmless. But the reality is, it could be devastating. Think about the idea of a bomb and the way that that just... It doesn't just affect one person. There's all sorts of people that get hurt with some of these things. And if you're ready to step off that carousel of regret, then with whatever God has already shown you today, 
We want you to know God, He's the one that offers to help us change the way that we think. The change occurs as we, as we allow God to, to rewire our heart, which is where our thinking grows from. Now take a look. This is the key passage. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul, in, in Romans 1 through 11, the first part of this book up until this point, he's really laying out God's kindness, God's mercy, because he, he launches into Romans with like the fact that things are pretty messed up and corrupted and broken. And then the solution is God, through His grace, His kindness, His mercy, He, he brings the possibility for change. And so Paul, he puts on display in Romans 1-11 through 11, the mercy and the kindness of God. That's really Romans 1-11. through 11. The mercy and kindness of God. So then you get to chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, or sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Because of God's mercy, because of all that He has done, He's saying two major steps to change. First one is this, is present your life. Present my entire life up for God's use. This is how we change. There's these two major steps. First thing, present my life, my entire life, up to God for His use. Flip to the next slide there. When, when Paul is talking about present your body, what he's really what he's saying is your total self. The total self is our bodies. He's urging them to place everything into God's hands. This is an act of personal surrender to do this. And this is what pleases God. And he begins the process of change. You may not be at this point right now where you're ready to really trust God with your entire life. You might be here and you're just investigating Christianity and, and you're in the process of you're counting that cost right now. But you've not yet taken this step of presenting your entire life up for God's use. Now, I like to describe this this way. When, I'm, when I know a person sorting through really choosing to take a major step forward and make this real, our life is kind of like this. We're in the center of our life and it, our life is made up of all these different areas. We have school, community, marriage, money, relationships, family, on and on, future, career. We might throw some church in there. and We get to the point where it's tempting to just follow Christ and work Him into our life. And so we call this the Jesus slice. Where we kind of slice Him in. And it's kind of this life, this part of our life where we interact with Christ. It might be we go to church. But then we kind of stuff Him back in the closet. And we say, okay, you stay there. I'll come get you next Sunday. And we'll do that again next Sunday. We bring Him out of the closet again next Sunday. And He gets to go to church with us. And we might reflect on some things here and there. And we, well, then we shove Him back in the closet. And, but this whole area, we might even pray. But it's that Jesus is very separate from the rest of our life. We're still in the center. We're at the core of things. We're still the leader. And, and this Jesus life does not influence our, our marriage a career, our relationships, community. It doesn't influence these other things. Now, real change occurs when we surrender to Jesus as the Lord, as the boss. When He is Lord, here's how that looks. is He's at the core. No longer is self. No longer is Josh at the center of his life. But Jesus becomes the Lord, the boss. And when you at the, arrive at this point where you say, Jesus, you are Lord, this is you presenting your entire life for God's use. 
And when we make this decision, we begin to make progress away from the ticking time bombs because now He can reprogram our heart because He has moved into our life at the really core of who we are, at the center of who we are. Now here's specifically how that works. The second thing is that after I present my life to Him, then I let God rewire my thinking, including my big ideas. If He is Lord, then we give Him the freedom to do this. If He's not Lord yet, then you've said, no God... You know, that area is off limits. I do my life like I want to do my life. Hands off. And so we reserve to ourselves certain areas or categories where we say, that's, that's my call, not yours. Well, if that's the case, the big question is, is Jesus a slice or is He, is he your Lord? Is He the boss of your life? Now, all of us, we bring ideas that we conform to by just living in this world. Some of those ideas, these big ideas are flowing through the media. They're flowing to us from our education, from our friends, from the home we were raised in, and other places. But some of those ideas, they're in line with the way God says life works. And some of our ideas, they clash with what God says. They don't square up with what the Bible teaches. But if Christ is boss, and some of our thinking, or some of our big ideas, or our big opinions, seem to be in opposition with what God says... If Christ is boss, then we say, okay, I yield to you. We'll go your way. If you say this is the way to go, I'm going to walk that way in life. And we start letting go of our old thinking. That's how we step off the carousel of regret is we start letting go of our old way of thinking and we let the Bible reprogram us at a heart level. Now, one of the places where this begins to occur is not the only place, but one of them is at, you know, in our personal time with God where we just spend time relating to God and getting into the Bible and letting His words speak to us and, and we realize, wow, God, my idea here is clashing with your idea. So then we say, okay, yes to your idea, Lord. You're the boss. Sometimes we join a small group and might connect with others in the small group and in groups, we start discussing God's way. And the leader starts setting a direction. We're going to talk about what God has to say about this area or that area. And, and as the leader is leading out, you realize, man, there's a disconnect that I see with my way in God's way. And there's a clash again. If Christ is boss, we, we say yes to His thinking, to His ways, His big ideas. And that, that's a real challenge. Now, until I was a parent, to give you a personal example, until I was a parent, I really didn't think that joking had much of an effect because that's the way of all the movies. That's the way of TV. You turn on TV and that's how families interact. They just joke with each other. They're sarcastic with each other. And so I learned a fair amount of that growing up. But it wasn't until I could see the looks on their faces, like my children's faces, when I joked or or I would poke at their expense. And what that requires, it takes a conscious effort, but God has been really faithful to just convict me of that and show me, hey, there are far better ways to build a home than through joking and sarcasm. So my big idea, at least that one, my big idea on, oh, this is a good way to, to do family life, it'll be fun if we do this, my big idea, it needed to change. The truth is, my big ideas on a lot of life still need changing. And that's the reality for most of us. There's just a lot of big ideas that we think, I'm going to hold this thing to myself. And some of those, we draw back with an independent attitude. Sometimes it's tied to temptation. Sometimes it's tied to the people we relate to. But over and over and over, this is going to come up where our thinking is in opposition to God's ways. And there's a huge test right there of lordship. 
If Christ is boss, then we yield to his ways. Bunch of yeses along the way. You know, this is hard, Lord, but I see what you're asking me to do. And would you help me to take that step? There may be struggle. You may backtrack. But if Christ is Lord, you can keep stepping in that direction over the years of your life. And the person you are will be very different. You're not going to be spinning in circles on the carousel of regret, getting nowhere. But you're going to be on a brand new adventure. Life's going to look very, very different. I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage. As we just wrap this up, on the back of your connection card or the bottom of your listening guide, you'll notice there's these next steps. And I invite you to take a look at these next steps here. The first one is this. It's really tied to Romans 12.1. But for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and I'll follow Him as Lord. If you've never decided to really shift from you being at the center of your life and asking Jesus to live at the center as the leader of your life, as the Lord of your life, the Lord is, is the one who calls the shots. He's, the, he's in charge. It's also the one who designed everything. He made everything. He's the Lord. He's creator of all things. And, and so you're trusting the God who made all that exists and saying, God, I, I, if you've done all that, I trust that you can help me in my life here and now. If you've never made that decision and yielded to, to Jesus, then we would invite you to do that. Check on that next step and then we'll, we'll follow up with you. We would just love to have a dialogue with you. It'd be someone, if, if you're a gal, we'd connect one of the ladies from our church, one of the leaders, to just have a dialogue with you. If you're a man, we would connect one of the guys from our staff or one of our leaders with you and just try to clarify what does it mean to be a Christian? How does the Bible really define that? This is a great summary of, of crossing across that line, accepting Christ as Savior and then yielding to Him as Lord. The second one is read through each of these time bomb passages. Some of them, there's some verses surrounding them you want to read very carefully in order to identify maybe some ways that you're vulnerable. Maybe you don't realize that you're vulnerable to these things and you're thinking, oh, i got more time until it blows up and the damage is done. So I'd encourage you, consider these things. Maybe one day this week, take... Maybe Monday, take the independent attitude. Just sit with God, read this verse, pray. God, is this me? Am I isolating myself from people? Breaking out against all sound judgment, thinking, I, I've got this figured out. I'm gonna, nobody sees it the right way. I'm going to do it my way. Maybe spend Monday just focusing in on that, seeing if there's some vulnerability there. Or maybe Tuesday, take the temptation. God, is there any area where I'm toying with temptation? I'm playing near the fire and I'm going to get burned. You say this is true. I've... I've been excusing that. Or Wednesday, excusing wrong desires. Thursday, you know, examining, is there any bad company in my life that I'm just spending way too much time getting influenced by the wrong people? Maybe Friday, take a look at that final one. Which... Help me out here, somebody. Wrong teachers. Very, very important area. There's wrong teaching on TV disguised in Christian teaching but it's rooted more in humanism and now not all Bible teaching on TV is off but you want to make sure it squares with the Bible and so just check it out check the teaching you're getting into your life check the input make sure it squares with scripture I just really encourage you spend some time this week mulling on these verses and asking God to show you any vulnerability maybe even ask him God what would happen if this blew up in my life What's the effect? Who gets hurt? Picture the faces of those that get hurt. Picture your life. Picture your future. What what does that look like? Let that soak in. 
let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the direct and clear word of God. It cuts through our thoughts, it cuts through our feelings and emotions, and it gets to the heart of matters. And Lord, thank you for doing that in our lives. Your word endures forever. There's so many things in this life that's passing away, but your word endures forever. So God, help us to take hold of the enduring truth here and wrestle with it and line up our lives, our our entire selves to what you say and to you. And thank you for this group. Thank you for each person here and the plan you have for their lives. We thank you for the offering we're about to receive. Would you bless it, Lord, and multiply it, Lord, for for kingdom work and for, Lord, help us with things that are coming up, even with the Orange Festival. Lord, help us to be able to uh, just create a top-notch experience for our community. We know there are many around us that are living life far from you, God, and we would love to uh, be a part of you reaching. Bless each one here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.